Welcome to Tabernacle. We're glad you're here uh, to worship our Lord and Savior. Uh, we know him by his love for us uh, on the cross and his resurrection. Uh, so if you're our, our guest with us this morning or new, we're, we want to especially welcome you. We're going to ask everybody, though, old and new, to let us know you're with us. There's a QR code on the back of your bulletin. You can scan that. Make sure you type in your name, though, because otherwise we, we don't know who's replying to the scan. Uh, so just let us know who you are, and if you want to receive communication from us, uh, announcements and uh, information about events and stuff, 
Uh, we would love to know how to contact you, like an email address or phone number, or street address would be great too. Let me mention a few things going on here at Tabernacle. It's uh, October outreach. We're continuing our, our month of just trying to remind ourselves, hey, we're in a community. We want to reach our neighbors. We want to invite our neighbors to come. Um, and we want to uh, share the live stream, by the way, if you're at home. Thank you for worshiping with us there. And uh, say hey in the comment section. Let us know you're with us. Uh, one of the ways that we're trying to make our community uh, aware of our church is just, you know, it's a silly little decal, but hey, it works. Um, we've got a bunch of the vehicles in the parking lot have the old one. This is the new and improved decal. So, so there, you can get your very own uh, in the foyer, slap it on your car, let people know you like your church. Uh, that actually communicates a lot. Um, and then open up your bulletin to the Get Connected panel. And let me highlight a few things happening. Uh, we got youth group tonight for middle and high school age kids. That's in the fellowship hall at 6.30. Uh, the women are having their women's retreat starting this Friday. That's in Richmond at the Rosalind Retreat Center. It's a beautiful retreat center, and I think the material is going to be fantastic. So ladies, if, uh, if you know you're going, great. If you're on the fence about going, there are still, uh, there's still room available, and if you need to know how to register, uh, let us know at the office, and we'll make sure that, um, that you're all set to go this Friday. Um, so a week from today is kind of fun, too. It's, we're going to wrap up our, our Reformation uh, with, with, not, not a Reformation party. We're going to wrap up our October outreach month with our chili cook-off and like a, we're just calling it a pumpkin party. We don't know what else to call it. You got the email on Thursday. Uh, we're just going to have a chili cook-off, bring some chili, bring some sides, uh, bring an appetite because I, th- I hope there's going to be a lot of food. Bring a friend. Uh, this is a great event to invite somebody to as part of our outreach emphasis. And then we're just going to goof off outside. We're going to have a bunch of games involving pumpkins. Um, stack some pumpkins. Do a race with pumpkins. Have a pumpkin pinata, a pumpkin ring toss. I don't know. If you can do it with a pumpkin, we'll probably try it. And we'll just goof off and have some fun together. So that's the, a week from today, after church, uh, chili cook-off lunch, and a pumpkin party. A couple other dates just to, to keep on your calendar. November 5th is a youth overnight. And November 6th, how's this for a, a fellowship event? Gals and guns. I like it. More information in your bulletin. Uh, Jay Ford, you've got something to share too. Come on up, right? You got an announcement? You're not excited about this at all, are you? All right. <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. Hi. Mike, what are you doing? I'm trying to make an Whoa, announcement sorry, here. Jay. I'm trying to make What's an up? announcement. What's uh, going on? Oh, 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 go ahead, man. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, really. I'm what are you doing here? Uh, well, I was looking for the food barrel. Have you seen the food barrel? Food barrel? Yeah. Like that one right there? Oh, there it is. <laughs> Somebody must have moved it. I, I, I thought I knew where it was. But anyway, what were you saying? Are we having a food drive? Yeah, we're having a food drive. We're going to have a food drive. A food drive. When is it? When well, does it start and when? Well, it starts today. That's why I don't understand why the food barrels are empty. But it goes to November the 21st, so everybody's got plenty of time to do it. So, so if I'm bringing food in, where are the barrels going to be located? They'll be located out, well, you know, that's a dumb Is that where we put, put them? Because if we were having communion, <laughs> we wouldn't want it there, right? They'll be out in the foyer, two of them, so fill them up. Awesome. And what kind of food are we looking for here uh, at the food drive? They really like non-perishable goods like <clears throat> canned goods and box cereals and macaroni and macaroni. Man. I love That's macaroni. I, I know. Yeah. Me too. So for this food drive now, do we have a goal? 
we're kind of goal setters. Do we have we a goal? Are go we are goal setters. Last year we had a goal of 4,000 4, pounds. This year, 5,000 pounds. Yeah. I, I feel like you could do that better. How, how, what's our goal? 5,000 pounds. Now that's awesome. Yeah. That's it. That is awesome. And that's a lot of food. So we really need everyone's help to, to meet this goal. So, so if people can't bring in food, is there other ways that they could help? Absolutely. You can make a donation by check, and you can either make the check out directly to the Verona. Help me out. Community Food Pantry. Thank you. Verona Community Food Pantry. Or... <laughs> VC FP FP thank you okay yeah you can make your check out that way or you can make it out to the church and designate it for the food drive and the church will make sure it gets where it's supposed to be excellent yeah. in the food drive the mission of the Verona community pa uh, food pantry is really to provide food for anyone in need in Waynesboro Stanton and Augusta County and in 2020, they gave over a million pounds of food out to everyone. So that's a lot of food. So they need their shelves replenished. So that's a lot of food, right? It really is. Yeah. Can you think of how many families were, were benefited by that? I don't awesome. know that, but a lot. You were supposed to know that, too. I don't know that, but that's a lot. <laughs> you got to get your statistics straight, dude. <laughs> uh, but we really need everyone's help. So if you could bring it in or a check, that would be great. Um, thanks for so we can meet our goal. So okay. thanks, everyone. Thank you. Good job, bro.
to praise our gracious God. Would you join me this morning in our call to worship with these words from Psalm 5. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Let all take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exalt in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Let's sing together hymn 455 of God's gift of amazing grace, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us.
How can it be, Lord, that you would die for us? We stand amazed, humbled, and grateful. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe. In your wisdom, you've made all creation to worship you. You call us to worship you now in this time and place, in unity with prophets, martyrs, and saints from all times and places. And as we worship this morning, we pray that you will quiet our hearts, that we may hear your voice in your word. We pray that you would stir our hearts, that we may more faithfully follow Jesus, and that you would be glorified by the praise and prayers offered to you. Would you fill us with your spirit, and may our worship today help us to offer our entire lives to you and unite us with your whole church throughout the world. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. One of the ways that we unite ourselves with saints um, here in this place around the world, saints who've gone before, is through some of the creeds and confessions that have been written by our fathers and mothers of the faith. And so this morning we will be confessing together the Nicene Creed, which if you look in your bulletin was written in 325 and 451, ancient truths that are still true for us today. We'll be doing this antiphonally, so left, right? All right, here we go. <laughs> Christian, what do you believe? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, who for, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary. And was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and his Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We come to worship this morning expectant that the Lord will indeed meet us here. 
We come in our doubting and in our pain. We come in our fears and our anxieties, and we know that only he can make these things right and whole. And so we cry out, Lord, hear our cry and heal us, for we know that it is um, his mercy, his deep mercy that can enter into our brokenness and make all things right. Only he has the answers. Only he brings the healing that our hearts long for. He loves Emmanuel.
Heavenly Father, what, what glorious truths we've just sung. You are the Almighty. You are all-knowing. No matter where we go, you are there. You see us in all of our weakness and in all of our sinfulness. And yet your love is so great, so vast, that you do not remember all the wrongs that we have done. You have cast them as far as the east is from the west. But how can this be? For you are a perfectly holy God. You cannot stand sin, so there is no way that you can just overlook all of our offenses. Oh, the riches of your kindness, that you would send your only son, your beloved son, to give his life to pay the debt that we could never pay. Thank you for your mercy, for your kindness, for your love. Forgive us for the ways that we have sought to diminish our own sinfulness, for the ways that we have taken that love for granted. You deserve all of the adoration and praise that we can give, even more than we could ever give. So in this light, help us this morning to bring you glory as we worship you. Father, we thank you for this local representation of your church that you've placed here at Tabernacle. Today, as we study the truth that we are the body of Christ, we pray that you would give us the grace to be all that you have called us to be, Help us to use the various gifts and abilities that you've given us to be a blessing to one another and to the community where you've placed us. In a world that's becoming increasingly polarized, help us to have humble hearts, to prefer one another over ourselves, to be united despite our differences, and to be a light and a testimony to the lost and dying world around us. We thank you so much for the leaders that you've raised up in our midst. And this week, we pray especially for Elder David Sawyer. Thank you for your grace in his life and for the ways that you use him to bless our congregation, especially as he leads our missions and children's discipleship ministries. Please give him strength and wisdom as he continues to lead. And please bless him and his family as they serve Christ together. We also want to take a moment to pray for some of the families who make up this body. We pray for Don and Lynn Bailey, for the Beatty family, for Stephen and Kimberly, and for Theo, Nathan, Eric, and Carissa, for Patrick and Jesse Blevins, and for the baby growing in Jesse's womb, and for Kenny and Andrea Brevard and their boys Charlie and Benji. Please grant these dear ones strength and power through your spirit so that Christ might dwell in their hearts through faith. Please, Lord, root them and ground them in love and give them the strength to comprehend how broad and long and high and deep your love is for them. What a glorious truth that Christ loves them with a love that surpasses knowledge. Help them to know and rest in that reality. Father, there are many in our congregation who have cares and concerns at this time. As we've, as we've already prayed for Patrick and Jesse, we would also pray for Seth and Jocelyn Sweet as the time for the birth of their baby draws near. Please care for both mom and baby and bless Seth and Jocelyn as they prepare for both the joys and the challenges of a growing family. We would also hold up before you our dear sisters Marty Johnson and Gail Sharp. As Marty received distressing news of the spread of her cancer, we pray that you would grant healing, that you would give the doctors wisdom as they treat her, and that you would grant peace to both Marty and Elgene in their loneliness. We pray that you would bring healing to Gail from the fall that she suffered last weekend. Please care for her and for Dick during this time. 
for them and for everyone else who is struggling, whether their trials be physical, emotional, relational, financial, or spiritual, we pray that you, the God of all comforts, would comfort them in their affliction. Please help them to set their hope on you, the only one who has the power to deliver them. Father, we thank you for the work of your kingdom throughout Virginia and around the world. And this week, we want to bring before you the ministry of RUF at JMU. We thank you for Joe and Terry Slater and for the ministry that they have with the students there. Please, Lord, use them as a blessing to the believers on that campus and open doors for them to share the love of Christ there so that many will come to know you. We also pray for our brothers and sisters at Pulaski Presbyterian Church. Please be with that local body of your people. Help them to grow in faith, in love, and in the knowledge of you. We ask that you would use them for the furtherance of your kingdom in that place. We thank you, Father, for giving us your word. You tell us that the scriptures contain what we need to be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We thank you for giving us pastors who are able to expound your word and by your spirit reveal the truths contained in it. We thank you for Essen, and we ask that you would be with him now as he stands before us. Place your hand on him as he speaks. Help us to hear with listening ears and eager hearts. And please plant your word down deep in us and cause it to bear fruit in our lives. Finally, Father, we thank you for the many temporal blessings and financial provisions that you give to us. We recognize that all that we have comes from your hand. So as these tithes and offerings are received, help us to give with hearts that are full of generosity. Please bless these gifts and use them for your glory. We pray all these things in the name of our precious Savior, Jesus. Amen. We are God's church here in Waynesboro, and we're just one small piece of God's church in Augusta County in Virginia and indeed throughout the world. And so um, just as we united ourselves with the church universal through that creed, um, we also can unite ourselves with the church universal by singing in their tongue, which we... We sang this as our prelude for you, and, and we're going to make you sing it with us this time through. So in Spanish, might be a little uncomfortable for you, but um, you can do it. <laughs> Oh, 
children ages three through kindergarten are welcome to participate in Children's Church, and they're going to head out these doors to our right. Uh, there's an insert in your bulletin, also in Spanish. Fancy that. Uh, this is announcing the inaugural worship service uh, for the Redeemer uh, Presbyterian Church uh, in Rio Negro. And so the McCalls and the Bonhams and their church planting team are beginning public worship uh, next Sunday, uh, which is really, really exciting. We want you to be praying for them. And if you can read Spanish, great. Uh, you might even be able to scan that QR code. Um, but just kind of fun to see this is, this is their publicity. And uh, we want you to be praying for them this week as they prepare. It's a big, big deal. Um, we, we in, our, in our creed, I don't know, we don't normally do the Nicene Creed just because, frankly, it's long. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's got that great expression about how we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Uh, we do. We believe that. But it doesn't always reflect that. Um, the church around the world, sadly, seems plagued with more divisions and drama than a middle school lunch cafeteria um, sometimes. It's just kind of a mess. But nonetheless, it doesn't change what's true and what's real about who we are in Christ. And so that's going to be our focus in 1 Corinthians 12. This is continuing our You Are series how uh, Jesus says, you are the body of Christ, right? So let's stand in honor of God's word. I'm going to read uh, chapter 12, starting in verse 12. <clears throat> For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we all were baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So if one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we give you thanks that through your grace, you have engrafted us, made us uh, united to Jesus, indeed made us members of his body. And we pray that this morning we would appreciate in a deeper way, in a more profound way, our role as, as parts of your body. That we would see ourselves in that light, that we would see others in that light. We pray in Jesus' name. Please be seated. 
Uh, if you go, you know, everybody's traveling now, we're kind of, you know, making our trips and splurging even a little bit. So maybe you're going to splurge and you'll head down to Disney. Uh, you'll go down to Orlando, you do the parks, and you might hit Epcot. Uh, and at Epcot, right near the big ball, the big spaceship Earth, there is Mission Space. Uh, and on Mission Space, you can go and you can choose the, the green mission or the orange mission. The green mission is for those who are less, le- prone, less prone to toss their cookies. The orange mission is for those who really don't care what mess they leave behind. They're just going to have a good time. Uh, and when you go on to Mission Space, you, uh, you sit in one of four um, seats that are, that are all on, in a row. And, uh, and you each get a separate assignment. So there's going to be four different seats, four different assignments. One's going to be the navigator, One's going to be the pilot, one's going to be the commander, and the other one is going to be the engineer. And all along the mission, you get to push the little buttons and flip the switches that make the spaceship work. Uh, and if you don't push your button at the right time, you, you end up in a smoking, heaping mass wreckage on Mars. So anyway, fun ride, you know, if you don't toss your cookies. Uh, so look, you know, every, part, every person has a part to play. Every, every person has a role here, and that's what Paul's trying to drive home. You are part of this mission called the church, and every person has their place. This is a little bit of a continuation from last week where we were looking earlier in 1 Corinthians, uh, and what we were remarking is the fact that we are not our own, like Jesus bought us, he redeemed us, he takes up residence in us through his spirit, and that means that we don't get to call the shots anymore. Like, my, my body is, is his house, his temple, his tabernacle, and just like you call the shots in your house, the Holy Spirit gets to call the shots in his house, each one of us belongs to him, and we, you know, are under uh, that miracle of, of being his, his residency. So, for instance, Paul in another place, Colossians 1, says that God chose to make known how great uh, are the riches of the glory of the gospel, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Like that truth that Jesus is in us through his spirit is this beautiful promise, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And what we want to look at today now, kind of part two, is how that hope, that glory, is not one directional. It's not simply that Christ is in you as an individual, but that we are in him collectively. Uh, We are each members of his body, connected to him. Uh, And we are in, he is in our body, we are in his body, he's in us, and we are in him. And so that's what leads Paul here in our passage in chapter 12, to remark on the fact that we, though our many members, form one body. We are one body uh, consisting of many members, just as, you know, he's making this analogy to our human bodies, right? And kind of we get to our, one of our, our statements in our series on you are down in verse 27, where he says, you know, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So, this is an, an expanded discussion from Paul using the body as an analogy to basically communicate a truth that he just doesn't ever seem to get over. He keeps repeating it again and again and again so consistently that over, I think, um, what is it, how many times? 
gosh, it's, it's 165 times in Paul's letters, just Paul's letters, he refers to this thing that the theologians call our union with Christ. He, he uses this expression in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in him. Again and again and again, Paul just keeps marveling at this truth that the gospel means that we are in Christ, that we have this union with Jesus, this intimacy with Jesus. An intimacy that can never be taken away. We can never be separated from his body. If we're connected to him, if we're united to him, he's not going to remove us as an appendage from his body. That's this beauty and this promise. So, so on, you know, the contrast is that when we think about an eternity of being separated from God, we call that hell, right? Well, what is heaven? It's an eternity of being united to Jesus, and that eternity starts now. We're united to Christ. Our union with Christ is part of the eternal life that we look forward to forever, and we're getting in on that now. And the more that we grow to appreciate it, the more that, like Paul, we're just kind of overwhelmed by it, the the greater our joy becomes, the greater our love becomes, the greater our peace becomes, the the greater our experience, a foretaste of what we're going to experience for eternity. So Paul would say things like in in his second letter to the Corinthians, look, if anyone is in Christ, you know, uh, united to Jesus, in part of his body, if anyone is in Christ, boom, new creation. Something marvelous and miraculous has taken place. That person is no longer their old self. They're redefined. They're brand new. They have a new reality, and that reality is Christ. You're united to him. You're in him. Um, let me just give you a taste of what Paul's talking about. I mentioned like over 165 times, he just kind of keeps referring to this. Um, some, some of the speech therapists will, will, will pick apart your language, your discussion, your, your, uh, your fillers, your ums, and your likes, you know, all those things that we say as we're searching for our words. This isn't Paul just using filler. But I'm going to show you just a, an example of what he does with this reality that we're in Christ. This is from Ephesians chapter 1. Just a few verses, right? Right right out of the chute, talking about the faithful who are in Christ Jesus. And then he just kind of keeps on peppering his language within him, in Christ, in the beloved, in Christ Jesus again and again and again. 165 times in all of his letters, talking about how we are in Christ. We are Christians. We are Christ-ins. Christians. That's how important, that's how significant this is to him. And that's why Paul could go on to say that, look, because you're in Christ, because you're a part of his body, there really shouldn't be any divisions among you. That's what he says in verse 25, right? Look at your text. There may may be no divisions in the body that, that the members may have the same care for one another. That's one of the implications of our union with Jesus. Um, mentioned the Ephesians chapter 1 and just emphasizing our union with Christ. If you got to chapter 4 in Ephesians, Paul would say something like this, like, look, um, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've received. This, this calling, this gospel that you've received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. Sounds a lot like the Nicene Creed. Anyway, 
So Paul's emphasizing to the Ephesians that look, with all the humility and gentleness and patience and, and love, be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. That's the situation in Ephesus. Sadly, that's not the situation in Corinth. To the Ephesians, he can say, maintain this unity. To the Corinthians, there's something woefully wrong. He starts off his epistle way back in chapter one, saying, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment, for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that, that there's quarreling among you, my brothers. And then he says, is Christ divided? Like, this, this should not be, right? Because we're, we're united to Christ, we have this union with him, we're part of his body. Is, is Christ divided? No, he's not. Why did he come in the first place, right? Why did Jesus come? Um, most of us, you know, in answer to that question, if, you, if somebody were to walk up to you, say, hey, I hear you're a Christian, I know you go to that church, you know, um, and I'm curious, why did Jesus come? Like, okay, I mean, it's possible, somebody could ask you that. How would you answer? You might answer in, in kind of the conventional, traditional way, well, Jesus came to, to, to live the life I, I couldn't live. He, he kept all the law, and then, and then he went to a cross, and he died on the cross. He takes our sins away, took my sins away, and then he rose again from the dead so that I can be raised to new life with him and go to heaven, and that's, that's why he came. And you'd be right. That's absolutely right. Gloriously right. I mean, that, that's, that's the truth of the gospel, but is that all of the gospel? It's not the whole gospel, it's, it's part of it, it's how it applies to us individually, but, but it's kind of missing this corporate, collective goal of Jesus, the, this, this other purpose that Jesus had, not just simply to, to you know, give people a new eternal address. Jesus came to grow a body. Jesus came to raise a temple. Jesus came to establish a kingdom. Jesus came to nurture a family. Jesus came to mobilize an army. Jesus said, I will build my church. He came to build a church. So John Stott, uh, Anglican uh, priest, and he, he's with the Lord now, but some of you know uh, some of his books and writings incredibly prolific author, uh, prominent Christian leader. And uh, he spoke at the 1983 National Prayer Breakfast in D.C. And uh, in that address, he was talking about why Jesus came. He was talking about the purposes of the gospel. He was talking about the implications of our union with Jesus, of being in Christ. And he said that the expression in Christ has a collective as well as an individual implication. It means to be related not only to the Messiah personally, as glorious and good as that is, but also to the messianic community that he came to build. Indeed, it is not possible to belong to him, to Jesus, without simultaneously belonging to the church. This is the new community that Jesus has abolished the barriers of race, nationality, class, and sex, which normally divide mankind. And in its place, he's created what the Apostle Paul calls a single new humanity, right? So it's, there's an individual aspect of the gospel and this collective aspect. 
this new community, the body that he's making us members of. So if the church is not optional in our Christianity, if our salvation is, is, is not something that we receive individually, then Christ's body, you know, by definition, is something corporate and beautiful. On the other hand, if the church is optional, if our salvation is merely something we receive as individuals, then by definition, by, by, Christ's body is automatically divided into millions of pieces. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I think probably most of you know what one of these is. Big box of Legos. Fun stuff, right? Lego um, is prolific. It's all over the world. Last year, they sold $7 billion worth of, worth of these blocks. $7 billion of bricks. It's a lot of bricks. Do you, know, do you know that Lego didn't build all those bricks so that they would just be scattered all over bedroom floors in every nation of the earth to, to, to provoke parents and to harm individual bare feet? That's not, why, that's not why they make Legos. They don't make them to be scattered in a million different pieces. They make them so you can build really cool things like this. Ooh, right? So, you know, I'm, I, I kind of have a little Lego affinity. I, I'm not embarrassed. All right, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed. But I'm just, I'm up here, you know, talking about my, my little Lego thing uh, because it's cool. Because you build, you know, fun models and it's, it's not supposed to just stay scattered. It's supposed to build something that will bless people, you know. All right, so I'm stretching this a little bit. But I think you get the point about the church, right? The church is not designed to remain separate. Not a bunch of individual pieces all scattered around a bunch of different nations, but actually together, corporate, a body. Like, and so Paul goes on and he talks to those different voices within the church in Corinth, the ch- this divided church, this messy church, this church has got problems and complaints and arguments. And he says in verse 14, look, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So if, for instance, the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, then that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. Paul says, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Paul speaking to those who imagine that they don't have much to offer the local church. They don't think they belong. I don't fit. That's, those aren't my people, you know, whatever, whatever the circumstances may be. He's speaking to people who think that the church is only for those types. Like, I do not belong to the body. He says it twice. He gives us two examples. He's really driving this home. So he's speaking, I mean, how would this apply today? Like, like who are, what are some of the voices, maybe even in here, maybe even at home? And you're thinking, I don't know, I don't know if the body is for me. I don't know if I fit. You may be thinking, I don't have, I don't have any money to give. I, I don't have anything to offer, you know, th- this church. I'm, you know, can't even pay my bills, so I don't know if I belong. Or you think, I don't have a, I'm not married, I'm single, I don't kind of fit in because it's kind of the married crowd. Or I don't have kids, and I don't, I don't know if I belong because there's all these kids running around. It's kind of the family crowd. And, you know, and, and so you can just kind of go down all these lists, like, what about people who think like, I don't really know what my talents or my gifts or my abilities are, and I see everybody serving, and I just feel like kind of a bump on the log. 
I don't know if I belong. I don't have my act together. My life is a mess. I'm, I, can't, I don't even know what day it is. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. I don't know what I'm doing next week. And everybody else around here seems like they've got their act figured out. Or I don't have any right to be here. Because you, if you knew all the stuff that I've done, all the things that I regret, all the smoking wreckage in my wake, I don't have any right to be here. I don't belong here. I don't belong in the body. Do you know what Paul's telling you? You do belong. It's one body with many parts. I mean, nobody has a right to be here. Right? I mean, do we? Do, do any of us have a right to be here? Do any, have any of us contributed so much that Jesus says, oh, yeah, we're so glad. You know, they, uh, you know, you've added so much. And what would we do without you? No, we're here by grace. We're like the little kids, you know, playing with their parents, you know, helping out in the kitchen or helping out in the garage or whatever. Like, the parents, like, are having to compensate. Look, none of us have any, you know, right or, or, or you know, none of us are obligated, uh, you know, God's not obligated to include us. Instead, what's going on here is that we're here because of him. Paul told the Corinthians earlier in chapter 1, it's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. It's because of his grace and what he has done for us that means that we're included. It's what he contributed. It's what he sacrificed. It's his gifts and his abilities and his righteousness and his act that was together that enables us to be included in his body. So there's only really one group of people at the end of the day that, that are excluded. They're excluding themselves. Let's put it that way. There's only one group of people who really don't belong in the church. Do you know what that group is? I mean, that'd be an, that'd be an interesting discussion in your home groups. Like, what group doesn't belong here? Well, I'm going to blow the discussion because I'm going to tell you. Never mind. Forget that. Look at the other questions. Here's the group that doesn't belong. What is the church? The church throughout the world, how would you describe the church? What, what bonds us? What, what do we have in common? Given all of the different things that define us, what is the unifying principle in each one of our lives? And it's simply this. Each member of the church has gotten to the place in his or her life where they've just, you've come to the end of yourself. And you've realized, you know what? I don't have life figured. This isn't about my kingdom coming and my will being done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm making a mess of things. My kingdom's a wreck. And I need a savior. And I need a, I need a Lord to come and, and reorient me and give me his kingdom, not mine. And, and fundamentally, what we're talking about is repentance. The church is the only community on the planet whose members simply are those who repent and are looking to a Savior, looking to, for, to God for forgiveness, it comes through Jesus. And those who are outside of the church who are saying to Jesus, no thanks. No thank you. I'm good. That's the difference. That's it. So it really has nothing to do with, with what we accomplish, what we do to contribute, and you know, oh, I, I got this, and I'll make this a better place. No, it's about Jesus, what he's contributed, what he's accomplished, and we're just kind of riding in, on his coattails. Believing in him, trusting him, new creations through him. That's the church. Welcome. You know, I mean, Jesus doesn't, isn't excluding those who, who are saying no thank you. He's, he's saying you're, you're always welcome. 
Come in anytime. <laughs> in fact, he's, he's calling us to come and call them in. Jesus doesn't hold grudges. He's not standing at the door with his arms, you know, crossed and his, you know, thumping his feet like, you know, you wreck. How dare you show up here? You know, no, come on in. This is the repenting community. That's exactly what he did on the cross. That's why he gave his life. That's why he rose again to help us, to bring us to new life and make us a part of his body. He tells the Ephesians, no one ever hated his flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we're members of his body. He nourishes and cherishes you. He's made you a part of his body. He demonstrated that on the cross, demonstrated that through the resurrection, demonstrated that by giving us his spirit, making us his temple, making us his tabernacle, and then making us a part of his body. That's this beautiful truth of our union with Christ. That means that you and I and every person connected to him are indispensable. It's right there in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. We need each other. This is, you know, previously Paul was speaking to those who were sort of feeling like, I don't belong here. I don't, I'm not needed. I don't, you know, this isn't, these aren't my people. Yeah, they are. The body is your body. And now he's switching gears and he's talking to those who kind of have this posture of pride going, hmm, oh, it's those people. We don't really need them around here. We don't need, you know, the, the, I saying to the hand, we don't need you. And the head saying to the feet, we don't need you. So Paul's speaking to those who are thinking that, that they are more important than others as part of the body of Christ. People who think that, well, you know, I am more orthodox, you know, in my theology and in my biblical uh, study than, than those people. We don't really need those people who don't believe like me. Yes, you do. Because nobody's so orthodox that they can't learn a thing or two. And he's speaking to those who think that they're more involved than other people. And we don't need those people who don't really serve and who are just kind of dead weight and just show up. I mean, look how hard I'm working, right? Sounds like the older brother. We we need everybody. We need everybody. And Paul's speaking to those who think that, well, I'm more informed than others, and we don't really need those people who don't listen to my news feed. And if they would just kind of smarten up and figure out what's going on or you know, it can go both sides. Like, we don't need those, you know, people, Paul's speaking to those who think they're more woke, you know, than everybody else. And we don't need those people who don't see the real problems, you know, the way that, that I do. Like, we need each other. Paul's speaking to those who think they're more patriotic than others. Like, we don't really need those people who don't vote like me, don't vote like us, those idiots, right? Paul's saying, no, we need the body. We need everybody. You can learn from one another. And he's speaking to those who think that, you know, maybe they're more responsible than everybody else. I don't need those people who can't get their lives together. Please, get your act together. Straighten up. Just be like me. It's insufferable. We need each other. We grow together. We, we, we love each other. And, and this is what R.B. Kuyper um, wrote a great book called The Glorious Body of Christ Was Observing. This is great. Listen to this. For us to be at one with those who are like us is easy. If everybody's a hand, easy. Everybody's a foot, easy. Everybody's an eye, easy. You know, you see everything the same. You hear everything the same. It's easy. For, those, for us to be at one with those who are like us is easy. To be at one with those who are unlike us, that's possible only if a profound unity underlies surface differences. What is that unity? Union with Jesus. 
So Paul's saying, look, at the end of the day, verses 24 and following, that, the, that God so composed the body that giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, that, that the members may have the same care for one another. So if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So Paul's arguing for those who think they don't belong and against those who think they don't need certain types of people. And he's saying the solution isn't to amputate. Like in God's bizarre, weird providence, I woke up this morning, I cannot move my index finger. I spent the whole morning trying to figure out how to tie my shoes with one hand, how to walk the dogs with one hand, how to pick up dog poop with one and, and have two leashes, and how am I doing this? I don't know. I can't, move my fi- I can't move this finger. I can't use this hand. I'm trying to, like, preach and do the Bible. I don't know if you've been noticing, like, I've got this, this, I can't move my finger. Maybe, maybe God sent Dr. Marshall here <laughs> to help me after the service. <laughs> anyway, I'm, and it hurts. I don't know if it's infected. I don't know if I bruised it or if it's got, I don't Who knows? But I got to figure this out. But my solution is not, grab a knife and let's, let's just get rid of this thing. That is not on the table. I'm, I'm here to tell you that. That is not an option. But what I've been doing is, is caring for my finger, caring for this hand, trying to treat it with, it's getting a lot of dignity. It's getting a lot of special attention this morning because I'm kind of trying to figure out how to do life as a one-handed pastor. That's, that's God's vision for the church. We care for the weaker members. We care for the people who are hurting. We care for the people that don't feel welcome. We care for the people that feel on the fringes. This is how we demonstrate to the world that, that, that we're different, that we have Jesus who, who unites us and who, who you know, we're, un, we're united to him and he's united to us. So, you know, Paul's arguing for these folks who are on the fringe and arguing against those who think we don't need them. So, just to kind of bring it home, like, who are we inclined to marginalize? Where does this apply to tabernacle? Like, who do we tend to exclude? Maybe even by accident, because we're just not even mindful. We're not even taking the time to think. And we think, well, we don't exclude anybody. Well, no, not intentionally, but accidentally. Like, I didn't intentionally injure my finger, but accidentally... Well, now what? Now what are we going to do? Now what am I going to do? What are we going to do when the, you know, the answer to the question, who, might we, who do we think we might be okay without? Who do we think we're just fine? We're great. We don't need anybody else. The answer might be as simple as asking, well, who's not here? Who's not here? That's kind of an uncomfortable question. It's uncomfortable for me, and it's uncomfortable for you. Why are they not here? Like, yeah, we're, we're working. We, we really do take steps to be more welcoming, more, more hospitable. We want to be learning. We want to have that posture that it's welcoming. And that's, those are good things. We're going to keep doing those things. But it doesn't mean that we've arrived. It doesn't mean we stop. It doesn't mean we just go, oh, okay, you know, we've checked that box. But we need to be asking ourselves, like, how can we become more hospitable, more welcoming? What can, how can we learn more? How can we be just a, a better environment that would be someplace where people who are black or Hispanic are going to come in here and go, yeah, 
all right, I fit here. Or people, you know, who are, you know, really, really poor, really, really hungry, really, really needy. Like, they're going, okay, yeah, I have a place here. Or people who are really broken, like really broken, deeply broken, deeply bruised. Where they'll feel like, yeah, I fit here too. People who are disabled, people who are different. How do they know that they belong here too? I read a book called The Sacred Overlap this summer on sabbatical. Um, J.R. Briggs, I, I think this is a great observation. He says, we're living in a world that is increasingly global and also increasingly tribal. Like The cultural, religious, political, relational, and familial divides are growing stronger. And the arguments are becoming more explosive. And the defending of our opinions is growing more and more intense. Even after a global pandemic, which had the potential to unite us and draw us together, has driven us further apart. The widening of extremes provides the church a fertile opportunity to live in the midst of the tension, to live in radical love and faithfulness between the extremes. I mentioned uh, Mission Space at the beginning. You know, you get on this ride, the simulator, and it's, it's out of this world. It's cool. The church is this otherworldly body where it takes a bunch of different people, not just four, not just 40, not 400, millions of people, millions of different people to show the world something that is from another world. It's from the kingdom. It's coming down to earth, and, and, and we're here to demonstrate what it means to be united to Jesus, to truly love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor, love our brother, love our sister, and ourselves. I'm going to just wrap up with Jesus' prayer. I normally you know, do a little prayer at the end of the sermon, but this is Jesus' prayer. John 17. We'll just, we'll just close with this, okay? Worship team can come up while I'm reading this. Uh, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Amen to that. We read in Revelation 7, John says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Would you stand together as we sing the day when we will feast as one in his kingdom?
Kind souls want to come up here and help me clean up some Legos afterward. It'd be awesome. Uh, so let's, let's extend your hands and receive the Lord's blessing from Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen.